Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Really, this season is all about gifts and giving, isn't it? We're reminded of that. Gifts have really, though, evolved throughout the years, haven't they? I mean, really, if we look at that, I mean, they're technologically advanced more than ever nowadays. Kids, I want you to know this. You can't even complain about your gifts. I mean, you shouldn't even complain about your gifts. I'm telling you, because I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to take you through a little journey here. If you grew up in the 50s and the 60s, do you know what you would have received for Christmas? A sock monkey. Yeah, I'm serious. It's a monkey made out of socks. How many of you had a sock monkey at one time or another? My grandma made one for me, and uh, I had one. And so we, we moved on from there, and we hit the 70s, and we got Rock'em Sock'em. How many of you had a Rock'em Sock'em? You had one? You should get one, kid. You're going to love it, and you're going to be amazed at that. And uh, I had one. Then in the 80s, we got Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin, Yes. Talking Bear was really amazing and creepy at the same time. And then in the 90s, we got Furbies. I mean, how many of you remember Furbies? You remember Furbies? Any takers on Furbies? Yep, yep. And then in the 2000s, people literally tackled each other in stores to get Tickle Me Elmo. Wow. Great job, America, for tackling each other over Tickle Me Elmo. So good. And today now for $100, you can get Let's Rock Elmo. You just put an instrument in his hand, he just rocks out with you and just enjoy that. We have come a long ways, that's for sure. In our gifts, we've evolved. I remember one of the greatest gifts I got growing up was my own personal boom box. It was amazing. Like the one you saw opening here. I mean, it was amazing. It had a tape player in it. You know, eat your heart out, kid. I had a tape player push, play, rewind, all that, okay? Probably one of the greatest gifts that we know that are being given now are kind of the game console systems, that's for sure. We have all these amazing systems, and uh, these kids and students know it better than anybody else. And so I'm going to need some help from the kids. Do we have kids here? Thank you. How many? Let's try it again. How many kids do we have here? Yes, we have some. And so I want you to help me. Which is the best one out of these gaming systems I'm going to name? How about, is Xbox the best? Thank you. Thank you. He is all in. All in on Xbox. How about the Nintendo Switch? Not so much. Some, yeah. Yeah, Dad said, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, uh, how about the PS5? Yes. Nobody can get their hands on it, but it's still amazing. We know it, right? And so, kids... I want you to know, do you know what your kids, your, your, your parents played when they were growing up? I want you to get this. This system right here. Parents, how many of you remember what this one was called? Yeah, the Atari. No, this isn't the PlayStation. This is a one joystick with a lame button. That's what we had growing up. Did you enjoy that, parents? How many of you had this one right here? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. It's kind of crazy because if you go in and look at all that, these are some. What are some of the games that you played on the this uh, on this Atari? Wow! Yes, and on and on and on goes the list. And I will tell you what happened is is the the you know the graphics were pretty cool on that. Then you move on, you go into the Nintendo in the, the the original Nintendo. How many of you had one of those growing up? Yeah, I see a lot of you had that one. And so what was cool, the graphics and the games you play like Tetris, Super Mario Brothers, do you remember that one? 
Oh, yeah, and on and on and on goes the list. But how many of you know that during it, many times it would stop playing, and you would be so mad, wouldn't you? It would, like, glitch. It would freeze, right? And so what happened is you took the cartridge, and you took it out, and you, right, you blew it out. Yeah, so I saw somebody doing that over here. I saw you. Clean it out. You want to get it ready, jam it back in there, and then it'd work a little bit longer, and, and then it would stop again. And, you know, in that, it would become incredibly frustrating, wouldn't it? Like you're playing a game and you're all in on it and it would just freeze up. I mean, it just locks up on you and you would get so mad. And then, then we would just kept evolving, the PlayStations and all of these that kept going. I mean, some people were telling me other game systems in between the services. I played this one, I played that one. And so, but we know we don't like things that are unclear, do we? We want things to be clear. We don't want them to freeze up have static in our life. We, we hate the unclarity. It's incredibly frustrating. And sometimes what happens is that's what takes place in our own hearts, even with God, that many times we think things are so unclear and you have question marks, especially when it comes to God. You'd say, hey, you know what? I don't have a clear picture of who God is and, and I don't know the purpose for my life. And, and that's a fair, fair thing to say. And people for centuries have been asking, what's the purpose of my life? I think that's a great question. And it's not that you don't want clarity, it's just that you don't have it. And you may feel that way tonight. And uh, some of you, you're single, and you'd say, you know what, I would love to know who God is and what God has for my future and who God has for my future. But maybe even tonight, you feel that way in your marriage. Something's going on, or it's in your career, or maybe it's a big decision that you have that's yet to come in the days or next year. Maybe it could be with your kids. You're just unclear about some things. What's going on in their world? And it's not like you haven't tried, really. Many of you maybe grew up going to church, and you tried to understand who God is. Like, you know, you, you would open up the Bible, and you would read it. And in the midst of everything you've done, you'd say, you know what? I haven't got clarity. You know, I've got anything but clarity, as a matter of fact, in my life. In my childhood, maybe through my teenage years, maybe into my adult years, I still have a lot of unclarity. And here's the obvious. And some of you would say, even if I wanted clarity of who God is, how are you supposed to get a clear picture of an invisible God? I mean, tell me that. No one's ever seen God, right? Because the Bible says this in the book of John in the New Testament, as we start that, you see that in the very first chapter, in verse 18, it says no one has ever seen God. It tells us that. And you've maybe heard a Christian, you've heard somebody that's a believer in Christ say, you know what, God's so real to me. You know, I can see God with so much clarity, and he's clear in my life. And, and you're thinking, explain that, because he's invisible. And if you've ever thought that, and you don't have clarity, what I want you to know tonight is you're not alone. You see, this verse in the first chapter of John, the first half of this we see, it's John, and he's writing about Christmas. He's writing about Christmas, and as John writes about his account at Christmas, he doesn't go into a lot of detail like the other gospel writers and Matthew and Luke, but John talks exclusively of why Jesus came at Christmas and why we celebrate him this time of year. And in this verse, let me show you what it says First, in John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but it doesn't stop there. But the one and only Son, Jesus, who is himself God, has made him known. 
This is a verse talking about Jesus' birth. And what John is telling us, he wants us to know, is that the moment Jesus was born and he came into the earth, we got a clear picture of who God is and what he wants for our life. You see, Jesus was God in the flesh. Colossians says this in Colossians 1, in verse 15, puts it like this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. How are you supposed to know what an invisible God is like and what he wants for you and for me? Well, look to Jesus because he is the perfect image of God, Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Now, exact representation doesn't mean probably what we think it means. Some of you have been told, hey, you look just like your dad, or you look just like your mom. And some of your ladies hate that because you're like, I look like my dad? That's terrible, right? Or my, you know, we understand that and vice versa. And then my daughters got my eyebrows. I'm sorry, Claire and Kyra for that, but they make them look so good. But, but they got mine and Josiah got his mom's eyebrows and he's thankful for that. You know, that doesn't mean exactly what we like it to mean many times. Not Jesus. Jesus was an exact representation. He was an exact picture of who God is. And what God wants for our life is wrapped up in Jesus. The miracle of Christmas is that God gave us a perfect image of who he is. He gave it that, us that. He showed us that. It Could it be that if you don't have tonight a clear picture of God, if everything feels like static in your life, that you've been looking maybe in all the wrong places and maybe after the wrong person. You know, Google cannot show you who God is and what God wants for your life specifically. Dr. Phil can't fix your kids. More money will not mend your relationships or mine. Students, you can search YouTube for everything. You will really never find out who God really is and what his will is for your life. My point is this, that the clearest picture of God and his purpose for your life is only found when you and I look to Jesus. That's the only way we get clarity. Unless you are seeking Jesus, you will never find God. And I wonder who's here today, and everything in your world just kind of feels like static. Your life is so unclear. There's a business person here, and you lead so well in your job, but in your own life, you lack direction. You could be a student here, and after a year like this that has been incredibly crazy, and everything seems fuzzy, or you're in a marriage, and your future is so uncertain, maybe there's somebody who's listening that right here tonight, sitting here, struggles with anxiety, and you can't seem to put your finger on what it is, and you've tried everything, and unclarity has gotten the best you. Maybe there's something that's going on. You said, man, there's some things in my past I just can't seem to get past. Some of you, maybe this Christmas will be the first Christmas you're spending without a loved one. It's very real. It's in these moments that would ask you, do you need hope? And do you need peace? And do you need clarity? But there's only one place to find that, and that is in the person of Jesus Christ, period. That you cannot find it in anything else that this world has to offer. And that's why one of those clearest 
scriptures of clarity that is given to us is John 3.16 that we probably all could quote by heart, but it is a very clear snapshot which summarizes why God sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, no matter what your past or what you've been through, whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And Christmas is the story of God sending hope from heaven. And God wants you to experience Jesus fully and completely. And that promise of eternal life happens when you and I put our faith in Christ Jesus. And you can do that tonight. Not only that we celebrate that he was born, but that he died and he rose to new life so that you and I could be forgiven and we can have clarity in an unclear world. So what makes the Christmas story so clear is God didn't just send you and me a second chance. God didn't send us another list of do's and don'ts. God sent you and me exactly what we needed, and that was a Savior, Christ the Lord. And I hope that message is in your heart as you go through this season, no matter what you are going through. But I also hope that you know that Christmas is a reminder that God loves us, and I think our whole world is crying out for that. That this is a reminder that God does love you and me and every person on this planet this evening. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who we've come to celebrate tonight. That even though the world around us, there are so many things that are unclear, that you have made Jesus clear and known to us. Thank you that you just didn't leave us this story for inspiration. Thank you for documenting the story of your son in such a way that it is absolutely irresistible. And Father, I pray I pray this evening for those who are trying to win your favor, and I pray that tonight here that they would relax in the fact that you favor them because you love them. And Father, for those that would say, I'm an outsider, I'm not really sure I believe this or understand it, maybe Father, in this moment, in this time, that they would catch a glimpse that Jesus came specifically for outsiders. Tonight, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, what a great evening as we come together and we celebrate what God has done for us by giving us hope, by giving us clarity in his son Jesus, that tonight I want to offer you that gift. Even though you may feel like you're an outsider, God is the one who sent his son Jesus to bring those that are on the outside inside and to remind us this evening that you really do care and you really do love us. As you sense that message, as you sense that tug on your, upon your heart tonight, can I ask you, have you ever accepted Christ Jesus to live in your heart, to live in your life, to live for him? Tonight is a great night to do that. And if you're here and you feel that tug upon your heart, that's the work of God, that's the work of the Holy Spirit to do that in you and because he loves you and as we come, we're reminded of what he's done. But tonight, he wants to come and live inside of you because he cares about you. So tonight, if you feel that and you want to say, Lord, I want you to come and live in me and I want you to come and strengthen me, 
I want you to come, Lord, and forgive me of my sins. Can I just see your hands across this place to say, yeah, I want to accept that. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for this hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Let's see that hand. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you right now. I see that hand way in the back there. Father, thank you for loving us and accepting us. Lord, we were all outsiders at one time or another. We were so far away from your grace. Lord, that we, we, we felt like, Lord, our past is, was going to get the best of us. But, Lord, we find out, Lord, that through this story that you've redeemed us. You've called us by name and you've called us your own and that we're reminded of that this Christmas evening. So, Lord, I thank you for every hand that was raised that accepted you as Lord and Savior, that, Lord, that tonight you have, Lord, come and saved us from our sins. That's your name, Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. And, Lord, that is the best gift that we could ever have. Lord, help us to celebrate that with clarity. Lord, I also pray for those of us who grew up here in this story. I pray that it would come alive in a new and meaningful way as we celebrate not simply the birth of a baby, but the birth of our Savior. So thank you that it's perfect. Thank you that it's true. And thank you that it's all for us in Jesus' name. And Father, I just want to pray tonight for our men and women that serve our military. Father, I pray tonight, wherever they are at in the world, that, Lord, they would sense your presence and you would be very real to them. So many of them that are away from their families that are serving our great country for our freedom. Lord, minister to them. Reach down and touch them, Lord God, so powerfully. Work through them. Be with the families that they are away from. Lord, I just pray you'd minister to them. God, touch them. Touch them, Lord. Pray in the name of Jesus. Protect them, watch over them, guard them. Father, I also pray for men and women that are doctors and nurses that are in our hospitals. Lord, I pray tonight that you would minister to them and you would reach down to them, Lord, as they are on the hallways and the floors and helping people that are going through grief, people that are in this pandemic. Lord, God, be real to them in this moment, Lord. Lord, heal people's bodies in the name of Jesus from this virus, Lord. Heal our our own families, Lord. Keep us from this in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that you, Lord God, are Emmanuel. You are God with us, Lord, no matter where we're at, no matter what we are going through. God, your presence is here with us. And even with those that we cannot be with. So, Lord, we thank you for it. And we're reminded of why we celebrate this time of year. It's all because of you. It's about a person. And inside of you, there is hope. There is strength. There is your very presence with us, no matter what we're going through. I thank you for it. Jesus' name, we pray, and everyone said, amen. Every year as a family, we read the Christmas story together. I'm sure many of you do as well with your families at home. We do this every Christmas morning. 
of Luke chapter 2, the great Christmas story. And so tonight out of Luke chapter 2, we're reminded, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. That story never gets old to me. I hope it never gets old to you as well. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.